Hi, I'm Claire Bloom, founder and volunteer executive director of N68 Hours of Hunger, and you're listening to the Rochester Post podcast with Matt Wyatt. Hey Claire, how are you today? I'm awesome. It's a beautiful day, thank goodness. We've been waiting a while for it. Yeah, we have, and it's been a good stretch actually. So if you're listening to this later, sorry if it's raining right now, but we're enjoying it while while it lasts. Yeah. So for anyone living under a rock, please tell me your elevator speech for what is N68 Hours of Hunger. Thanks. Um, so elevator speech wise, childhood hunger in America is a nearly invisible problem. But there are 14 million children in America who are without food between Friday lunch and Monday breakfast. So N68 Hours of Hunger's mission is to feed those children by packing bags of non-perishable food, delivering them to the schools, and letting the schools give them to the kids most in need. Yes, it's such an important organization because I remember growing up, you know, things like free lunch or reduced lunch. And what, what happens over the weekend, this long weekend, when you don't have access to food. So what what is that what inspired you to get get moving on this or how did this all start? So um, 12 years ago, actually almost 13 years ago, I was at a book group meeting and um, it was with a group of my friends from church and we were reading a book set in a highly impoverished area of New England and talking about poverty in the way that really only middle class people can talk about poverty. I mean, we did. We don't experience it. We don't see it. We don't hear it. We don't really know about it. Um, and as we were talking, one of the people in the group, uh, who is a school teacher at Garrison Elementary School in Dover, said, "I have children in my classroom who, from the time they have lunch in school on Friday until the time they have breakfast in school on Monday, have nothing to eat." And in that instant. I was convicted that I had to do something about that. Hmm. So good news is I'm retired Navy. I get a pension every month whether I wake up early or sleep in late. Um, And so I had some money to throw at it. And so I went down to the Dover School Board office and spoke with a homeless liaison there and said, hey, I just heard you have hungry kids in Dover. Um, I have some money. Can I give you some money to go feed those kids? And they said, actually, it was Lucinda McKenney at the time who said to me, we don't want anybody to give us money. What we want is someone to set up a program to pack bags of food and deliver them to the schools so that we can get them to the kids. And I said, well, I can do that. I mean, after 20 years in the Navy, I think I can do darn near anything. So um, that's what I did. I set up a program to pack bags of non-perishable food, get it to the schools, and from there we've gone crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Well, we've grown tremendously. So we started in Dover, delivered our first bags in October of 2011 to three elementary schools in Dover, New Hampshire, Garrison, Horn Street, and Woodman Park, 19 bags, and today we have 47 programs in eight states, and we're feeding nearly 8,000 children every weekend. So that's what I mean by going crazy. It's just grown and exploded. Part of that is because people are beginning to recognize that even in the most wealthy communities, 
around here, let's say Rye, Exeter, even in the most wealthy communities, there is still an element of the population that is suffering from weekend hunger um, in terms of the children. And so that's the mission we're here to fulfill, and that's the, the group that we're here to fix. I love it. And you've received a lot of national attention from this too. Uh, not only Oprah Magazine, but just recently you did a TED Talk too. And I want to talk about that a little bit because that's a that's a big deal. Uh, yeah, it was way bigger than I thought it yeah. was going to be. <laughs> it, it was a fascinating experience. First of all, I was invited to uh, apply, apply. Every um, November, they put out the word that anybody who's interested in doing a talk, please apply. I didn't have to go through that process. I had to apply. I had to interview. Um, the thing that surprised me the most, I think, um, actually two, two things. One, I did not realize that there was no teleprompter, there was no prompter, that I literally had to memorize what it was, was that I was going to say oh, and deliver it. Uh, so that was a surprise. Uh, the second thing that was a huge surprise and actually a very good thing, is that when you are standing up on that stage and the spotlight is on you, you can see nothing. Yes. I could not even see the people in the front row of the theater. So I could have been speaking to an empty audience and I would not have known the difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, until the end. Until the end. When they, I assume, are thrilled yeah, to hear all this. Yeah, they a long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's a pretty big deal because I first met you as a Rotarian recently because you received a recognition from from the Rochester Rotary Club, and when you told your story, it it just gave me so much more context in, into this organization and what and really what your personal uh, connection is, but what overall your mission uh, to feed kids. And I just wonder where it's mostly anonymous where you're packing and then delivering these to the teachers, and then they are disseminating these bags. How do you feel not having that direct connection or have you ever had an experience where someone has come to you and said that this has impacted their life in some way? Well, interesting you should ask that because it is an anonymous program and because we don't know who the kids are. The people who have said to us as volunteers how much joy do they get are the people in the school system who actually give the bags to the kids. They're the ones who see the smiles on their faces. They're the ones who see the joy when they get the bags. We don't get to see that. Right. Um, and so it's been really interesting. It's sort of almost like a black hole. You know, you dump all this stuff into this black hole and, and then you don't see what happens to it after that. Well, interestingly, since I did the TED Talk, actually the day of the TED Talk, after I gave my talk, which was just before lunch, we all went to lunch, came back in, and we're just sort of meandering, you know, chatting, et cetera, waiting for the second half to begin. A young lady walked up to me who was working the sound booth at the, at the music hall, had her earbuds on, had her little antenna, had her little walkie-talkie, had lights all over the place, and I thought, oh, my God, I did something wrong, and yeah. I need to re-record <laughs> something or whatever. And she just came up to me, and she said to me, I just wanted to let you know, I wanted to introduce myself and let you know that I uh, survived on N68 Hours of Hunger Food between the 5th and the 12th grades. Yeah. And I just had to hug her. I mean, I just had to, I just went, oh my God, and I reached out and I hugged her. Literally the first person that had, I'd ever seen face to face who, who let me know 
how much it meant to them to have this food. Um, and since then, I've gotten a lovely note from someone who also received food. I've met somebody at the gym who also received food. So all of a sudden, I'm meeting people who have benefited from this program. I mean, I've always known that they're there. Right. But I, but you know, I could be walking down the street and never know that that was one of those kids who survived on N68 Hours of Hunger Food. And given that it's been 12 years, a lot of those kids, like the young lady who came up to me, have graduated from high school and gone on. Um, the note I got from the woman who's, uh, she was in a terrible situation and was getting benefits here, there, and everywhere, and her child was getting N68 Hours of Hunger Food. Her child is now a junior in college making 4.0 grades and you know, it is going to be a kid who thrives instead of that child who failed the third grade. Mm. And the number of children who fail the third grade is one of the calculations they use in determining how many prison beds they're going to need in 20 years. Really? So that's the difference that this food makes. Well, tell me more about the connection between having a full belly and education. Sure. So, so let me give you an example of what a weekend looks like for a child who's not eating food. So they have their lunch in school on Friday. They come home after school. They're already hungry. Okay, they look in the cupboard. There's nothing there. They look in the refrigerator. There's nothing there. So what they do is drink a lot of water because they found out that if they can fill their tummies with water, that hunger pain goes away for a while. But by the evening, not only are the hunger pains back, the water isn't working anymore, and they also have a headache, and they're feeling sad, and they're feeling angry. By the next day, still not having any food, by the evening of the next day, their brains begin to feel fuzzy. They can't even think anymore or answer questions. And by Sunday evening, they're exhausted from hunger, the headaches are terrible, um, and they just, they just can't function. They can't even know what's on television and watch what's on television. So Monday morning, of course, they rush in, they eat their free breakfast, they turn to their neighbors, are you going to eat that? Are you going to eat that? You know, can I take it home from my pet? Um, and, and it isn't until actually they're, that food that they're eating Monday morning catches up with their brain, which takes until the afternoon, that they have any energy or any brain power to give to learning. So they've missed a whole day of learning. Then they go home and they may not have food that night, they get hungry, come in the next morning, tired, bellyache, headache. And it goes through the week like that, but the weekends are the worst. The weekends are absolutely the worst. So what we know is, and this is research-based, we know that children who get regular meals, children who eat three meals a day, um, snacks, yes or no, whatever, but who, what we would consider normal, those children get 30% higher math scores, they get 40% higher reading scores, they are three times as likely to successfully complete the third grade, which is one of the primary indicators of high school graduation, those kids have a far greater chance of succeeding than those children who don't, those children who don't eat on the weekends. So we know unequivocally that we are making a difference in the lives of those kids. Yeah, well, it's clearly working. So I want to know personally, how, how does this make you feel? knowing that you're making an impact and that you're reducing those numbers and changing the lives of, of really hundreds of kids. 
Well, interestingly, my job as volunteer executive director of 47 programs has become mostly administrative. I, but when somebody says to me, hey, can you come talk to this group? Or can you come help pack? Or can you come do a presentation here or whatever? That's when the energy really flows. I have to be honest, sitting at my computer doing yeah. spreadsheets, it, I'm not feeling like I'm doing anything particularly grand. Yeah. Um, but, but inside my heart of hearts, I know that regardless of how I feel, which is irrelevant, I know I'm making a difference. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and a lot of times that's what happens, especially with volunteers. They may not see the fruits of their labor, but inside their heart of hearts, they know they are doing the right thing. And that's what my life is all about, doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about what goes into a bag for, for those 68 hours. What, what would one find when they open it up on Friday afternoon? Great question. So each program serves a population with varied and distinct tastes. So for example, our California program has a lot of people who come from perhaps Hispanic backgrounds. So they'll do tortillas and beans and things like that. Our Florida program is feeding kids who come from Middle Eastern backgrounds Hispanic backgrounds um, and and backgrounds that have particular food tastes and they literally pack bags to accommodate those different food tastes. Hmm. As a general rule, you're going to find at least 3,000 calories. You're going to find at least enough food to make up seven meals, Friday, Saturday, Sunday dinner, Saturday, Sunday lunch, Saturday, Sunday breakfast. So you're going to find at least enough food for that. Um, it may be, and here's one thing we're learning, is, is that kids today would far prefer you give them a variety of healthy snacks and let them figure out what they're going to eat for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. Yeah. Um, in the old days when we started, I say old days, 12 years ago, when we started, we were, we were basically telling the kids, here's cereal for breakfast, here's tuna fish and crackers for lunch, here's soup and canned ravioli or canned spaghetti for supper. We don't do that anymore. We just put the food in there and the kids figure out when they're going to eat it. So the kinds of breakfast foods we'll use will be a box of cereal, three packages of instant oatmeal, some granola bars. Um, um, what else do we do for breakfast? Uh, I've, I've seen Ensure. Yeah, I've seen exactly, different things exactly, like that. Yeah. Exactly. For lunches, we do provide a can of meat every bag, which can be mixed with mayonnaise, which goes out once a month. It can be eaten on crackers, bread squishes, so we don't use bread. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can be eaten on crackers. We do canned soup, canned ravioli, canned fruit, canned vegetables, um, crackers each week. So those are the kinds of things that we give them, and then they can figure out what they want to eat when. Well, and I like the variety for sure, because you never know, you just never know from kid to kid who's going to like what. So at least there's some things to choose from. But I've, I've found them to be pretty generous packs too. And one thing that really stood out to me was, a, you know, a can of spaghetti sauce and a box of spaghetti. Now that lasts a lot. If you're thinking of one child for the whole weekend, that's going to last a few meals or pot potentially feed a brother or sister or other family member in the house so exactly. I mean really it, it, I think it really goes beyond just those three meals a day but it, it could be stored and saved and reused or something like a jar of peanut butter that's going to last a lot longer than just that weekend it could actually last them a week or two so exactly we have to be careful though because some of these families are not living in places where they have cooking facilities so making that spaghetti you know you have to know that that family can in fact cook those spaghetti needle needle 
meals yeah. and make that spaghetti. Um, so we have to try and provide a variety of things for people not knowing whether they're actually going to be able to cook or not. And in some cases, they can go to a neighbor's house and cook the spaghetti noodles. Um, but we, we're not trying to feed the family, but we try and put enough food in there that other family members can eat as well. How does one get involved in something like this if they either want to donate or pack bags? Or how does that happen? What would you tell someone? I would tell somebody definitely, first of all, go to our website, n68hoursofhunger.org. Um, there you can click right up at the top. There's a button if you want to donate. But more importantly, on the home screen, there's find your community. And if you click on that and you find your community and your community is in fact there, that means we already have a program there. Click on that link, get in touch with those program coordinators and say, hey, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they will find something wonderful for you to do to help out. Um, so that's that's probably the best way to do it. If you click on find your community and your community doesn't have a program, then we have instructions on how to so- start a program. That right was my there next question. Website. Yes. So oh, by all means, download that. And here's another thing. So I am not parochial about this. I have put on the website our operations manual. I've put up on the website the ways to start a program. I've written a book which is available on Amazon and Child and 68 Hours of Hunger, Ending Childhood Hunger in America One School at a Time. I am giving this all away for free to anybody who wants to feed kids. And I don't care if you're feeding them through N68 Hours of Hunger. I just care that you're feeding them. It's not proprietary. Not at all. Claire, you have achieved so much over the past 12 years and impacted so many people's lives. And I'd love to know what's next for you and to just give you a chance to take this time to let us know anything else that we might have missed before we leave well um i guess the only other thing that i might say is i am actually retiring um and we have uh sadly gladly um i've been a volunteer at this job for 12 years Mm -hmm. um and we were unable to find a volunteer to take my job and take over so we have hired a paid employee so um, she's going to need a lot of help getting acquainted with and learning all the ropes and figuring out what's going on. So I've given her a really long turnover time. I'm not leaving until September. Um, but in the meantime, I would say, you know, help out however you can, wherever you can, whenever you can, so that these children don't fall through the cracks. Because when I'm not here anymore, somebody else is going to have to pick up that ball. Hey, at least you don't have to do those spreadsheets anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So what's that website again, one more time? N68HoursOfHunger.org. Yeah, and buy that book too. Seriously, go to Amazon.com and search that book out. Claire, thank you so much for being on the show. I am already such a big fan of yours, and I hope that you can come back and give us another update. Or maybe we can have that new executive director come on, and we can chat with them as well. That would be great. And also, I'd recommend that you ask Lisa Stanley and Jackie Fitzpatrick to come in and talk, because they're the ones running the Rochester program. And, And they are doing a great job, too. It's something that we really look forward to doing every week. And it's actually a lot of fun. We go in for about a half hour. We pack roughly 100 bags and uh, we chat and we, you know, check out the food and think of different combinations of things that they can make with it. And um, it's actually a lot of fun and something that I'm very proud to be a very small part of. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Claire, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.